Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome back in here now. The early line on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com, our number two. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as we get ready for, uh, I don't know, just heading into what now? Uh, finishing up the kind of seven days, eight days now as we are rolling into uh, April, getting ready for uh, a draft that's going to be in just a couple of weeks away. And I think the excitement is really starting to get there for some fan bases and for some teams who uh, really this draft is going to dictate an awful lot, certainly not only from a betting perspective as far as betting on the draft and who gets who, but certainly the future of a lot of these franchises where some teams have the right pieces. They're really a draft away from taking that next step. You've got some teams that are going to be in complete rebuild mode. And then with the amount of quarterbacks and all the question marks uh, uh, coming into this season, and is there a couple of franchise quarterbacks? And maybe they're not in the first round. You know, there's so much uh, going on and at stake here in the NFL with this upcoming draft. And, you know, it's the guys they're not talking about, I think, are maybe interesting. And I've heard more and more over the last week, Dane, about Chase Young being the safest and best player in the draft by far, not even uh, close, and when you start referring to a guy like uh, Lawrence Taylor in comparison, then uh, and that seems to be a lot of universal thoughts on him. So it, it kind of makes me think. Well, anything along that involves Washington trading in and out, man. If you have an opportunity to get the next Lawrence Taylor or anything even close to that, and that safe and that sure of a thing, um, then I doubt very much they're going to be willing to change any of that. So. Again, we've talked about it in the past, and, and I'm just, I continue to go there. Uh, the fireworks are going to happen at three, if they're going to happen at all, and that's going to be uh, with, uh, with Detroit. But there are, I mean, there are some defensive players in here. Guys are swearing by that, and they're a little bit easier to, uh, or a little safer bet, Dane, than trying to go the quarterback route, aren't they? Yeah, you know, we've heard for months now, Joe, the idea that Chase Young is actually the best prospect mm -hmm. out of any in this draft, you know, it gets skewed because of the value of the quarterback, right? And so teams, if they find the guy that they believe can be their franchise quarterback yep. in the next decade plus, they go and go up and get him. You know, positional value be damned. But I've heard the same things. And, and that's why when you also think about, you mentioned Washington at number two, Joe, mm -hmm. the idea that new head coach Ron Rivera, who's a defensive guy, remember, he was on the 85 Bears, for goodness sakes. Right, right. Their new D.C., Jack Del Rio, a defensive guy, you know, so I do believe they're going to be very happy at number two to take Jay, uh, Chase Young. And right now, our friends at FanDuel, Joe, have Chase Young as the big-time favorite for the number two overall pick. Okay, yep. he is minus 380. The next choice is Tua, but a lot of people think that if Tua is the number two pick, it's not because Washington took them, but because Washington traded down with a quarterback needy team to go and get him, right? So when you, you mentioned Lawrence Taylor, which mm -hmm. is a ridiculous comparison, especially to anybody, you know, like me in the New York area. Here's to, be, here's to be even a little bit safer and a little bit more recent. Yep. Joe, out of Ohio State in recent years have been both Boza brothers mm -hmm. who have translated just fine to yeah. the NFL. Yep. I think we would say both Nick and Joey Bosa have tra translated just fine. And People who are at Ohio State, Ohio State coaches, Ohio State fans are saying that Chase Young, at least at the college level, and from a skill standpoint, from a uh, body standpoint, measurable standpoint, is light years ahead of both of them. Right. You know? yeah. And so if you tell me right now that, you know, the number two pick or my first round draft pick will have the production of Joey or Nick Boza, I'll sign for that right now. Okay, and if you're going to say that he's a little bit better or that the ceiling is even higher, yep. I will take it. We talk about the quarterback and the positional value, Joe, but right now when we see it in the free agent market in the NFL as well, there are four elite positions in the NFL, two yep. on offense, 
two on defense, and it's all around the passing game, Joe. On the offensive side, it's quarterbacks and it's left tackles, right? The people that protect the quarterback that have the biggest markets and you may go up and get. On the defensive side of the ball, you need to cover the pass. That's why cornerbacks are getting 15 to 20 million and you need to rush the passer. That's why the guys like Jadavion Clowney and other pass rushers are looking for 15 plus million as well. So if you have Chase Young as what everyone believes is a generational talent, what scouts are saying are better Mm -hmm. than the studs that have just come through that school in that position. And it is a edge rusher, which are one of the highly valued positions. Absolutely. Yep. So if I'm Washington at number two, I am excited that the potential of Chase Young could fall in my lap instead of taking number one overall, which is what pure draft grades would say he should be. Yeah, the it's funny, the more and more mock drafts, uh, you know, we look at here uh, from guys that uh, spend all year waiting for mock drafts and uh, and do this and uh, and and try and uh, project what's going on. It's it's so consistent at the top of the board with one and two between Burrow and Chase Young right. where you just neither of those two teams nor do you you're not passing on either of those two players and then it's interesting with number three how many people have Detroit either staying put and going with the next best defensive player and I guess that's the rub here uh, with this draft is that when you have guys like Isaiah Simmons who uh, many feel is just going to be a absolute uh, just stud in the NFL, who really wasn't a kid that didn't play, uh, wasn't recruited very much out of high school. You know, he's kind of grown into this player. Unbelievably athletic, great tackler, can play inside, can play outside. I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable. You've got him, you've got the other kid, uh, Brown now from uh, uh, from right. Auburn, that a lot of people are saying this is another one of these guys in the middle of a defense that wrecks things. He is an absolute wrecker. And you're looking at a Detroit team that could also, I don't know, they could go Okuda, they could go defensive back. Um, and there's so many options defensively in this draft that there is, and I'm starting to see more and more, where Detroit stands, Pat. And Detroit goes and gets a, one of these absolute game changers on defense to kind of reshape that defensive-minded head coach. Obviously, any one of those guys is, uh, is a foundation of that defense. I can see him going that way, and then all of a sudden, the Giants seem to be universal offensive line to go out and get the best uh, tackle that they like. And then you've got the, the Dolphins at five. So I, it's, I, I do think the price to move up with either the Giants to get ahead of the Dolphins to go get one of those quarterbacks, to me, who are the least sure thing of the guys we just mentioned, uh, that price is going to be astronomical, and I just don't know Who's going to be willing to uh, to pay that here? We, I, you're talking about a lot of assets that you're going to have to give up in order to go up even a couple of spots and go get somebody. Absolutely. Even just a couple of spots. And we've talked about it before. We saw this when the Niners traded with the mm-hmm. Bears and the Trubisky deal with Solomon, uh, Solomon Thomas, right? Yep. That Just to move up one pick, Chicago had to spend the draft capital. The year before that, remember, our New York Jets, Joe, went up from number six to number three. And just to swap those picks cost another second round pick. So if you're one of these teams, you know, do you really want to go quantity or quality is the question But before some of these GMs. But I think you're right, okay? I think the Detroit Lions um, at number three, everyone says that's where the fun could start. But that's only if they are willing to trade, right? Right. probably get a defensive stud if they want at number three and you know they've done some in free agency already signed some guys I personally Joe think Okuda is the pick at number three because I think in the secondary is what they need most they were dead last in the NFL when it comes to uh, being against the pass last year and as we know their number one lockdown cornerback is now a Philadelphia Eagle that's Darius Slay so Okuda Just be kind of the baton being passed there. A cheaper option, a new young option as Matt Patricia tries to revamp the defense. And then you mentioned that four. We know they don't need a quarterback because they used the first round pick on a quarterback last year. We know, um, you know, maybe they care about a guy like Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker, but they have signed a few linebackers already 
in the offseason. So what do I automatically look to when you are a team that has a young developing quarterback, whether that quarterback is named Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or the rest, what you want to do is get them protection so they can be upright and continue their development. And I do believe the Giants will go offensive line in round one. There's a new bet out, Joe, Ooh. which is interesting. Not only are they doing kind of plot bets, but our friends at FanDuel, for a few teams, those teams that are kind of at the top, they are saying not only what player might get taken, okay. but what position may be taken. And we could do that for the Jets, for the Giants, for some other teams. For the Giants, Joe, the favorite is linebacker. At really? Plus 10, which would signal that they think Simmons is kind of the pick. And then right after that for the Giants, the second choice, is the offensive lineman at mm. plus 150. But what FanDuel is saying is they think Simmons may be there and that the Giants will it be too good for the Giants to pass up at number four. And I got to tell you, Joe, that's music to my ears because you and I as Jets fans want at least one of those blue-chip offensive linemen to still be there yes. at number 11. So if the Giants pass on one, there's a greater chance that we'll still have an opportunity for one of those four offensive linemen at pick number 11. An interesting uh, decision to make by Dave Gettleman, certainly at number four, you would think, and new head coach, you would think that they would do everything to try and uh, protect and, and create that offensive line for not only their stud running back, but of course their new uh, quarterback. Um, and if they love one of them, go out and get them because they're not going to be there, obviously, uh, you know, very much longer. But you bring up a good point when you have a stud on defense like that and whoever Detroit goes for, and it's going to be a defensive player there, if it's Akuda, if it's, man, having that opportunity, if Simmons is still on the board. Right. Uh, and you have no offensive lineman off the board yet, you know, Gettleman's got a decision to make. I, I don't know. Uh, at, at number four, you're going to get a game changer. The question is, do you want him on offense or do you want him on, uh, on defense? And, uh, and if you're so convinced that to get offensive linemen, we've talked, there's three or four in the fir first round quality talent. Right. You make yourself available, move down a couple, you're probably still getting one anyway. So uh, the Giants, I think, have, they've got some options and they got to figure out what they want to do. If they stand pat at four, are you going, I mean, are you willing to bet offense? Or are you willing to bet defense? Because we and know what it's going to be. And here's the funny part, Joe. I'm just trying to, we talk about this mm. all the time here on the early right. line on SportsGrid, the idea of correlating your bets. Right. right. And I just told you for the Giants that Isaiah Simmons was the favorite, that linebacker was the favorite position, and then right. offensive line. Our friends at FanDuel, Joe, and I find this very interesting. You tell me what you think this is saying. They have, for every team in the NFL, will they go offense or defense with their first pick? Interesting. Right? Love that. I just told you that Isaiah Simmons was the favorite for the Giants. Right? I just told you that linebacker was the favorite position and then offensive line. Right. However, Joe, when you look to see with the New York Giants go offense or defense with their first pick, offense is minus 128. Defense is plus money. So I think it's very weird that offense is minus number here, but the position linebacker is the favorite. Interesting. So it, it almost sounds contradictory. It must be that offense is the favorite because the third choice for position for the Giants is wide receiver. Right. So maybe they're thinking, you know, that makes it up a little bit. I don't think they're going wide receiver. I think they're going either defensive stud or O-line. Yeah. So and it's, and it's linebacker is probably it. Yeah, it's, and I think Simmons is the key to that. I, I think if, if he's still on the board by four, they got a decision to make. If he is gone, then chances are it's going to be an offensive uh, lineman. I, I think that's going to be the big question mark uh, for them. Because even if you're Miami, and let's say, you know, the Chargers move up to go get two or something with the Giants and they flip-flop, right? Well, then Miami's sitting at there. Then Miami really... They can do whatever the hell they want to do. They, you know what I mean? They can go out and get one of those. They can go get Simmons. You know what I mean? If Simmons falls to Brian Flores, yeah. you know, what happens now, Flores? What are you going to do? Uh, because maybe, let's say, you wanted two, but two is gone. Now you're sitting there looking at a guy that's going to reshape a Brian Flores defense like that, and it's kind of hard to pass on. I mean, he is that good a player. He is that kind of difference maker. So, I, and there are a lot of guys feel that Chase Young and him, 
the two best guys in the draft, bar none, forget the quarterback. So, uh, what do you? There are some decisions to make right around that four, five, six. But unfortunately, every other draft that I see, the mock draft, the Jets are going wide receiver. Like everybody wants the Jets to go get a wide receiver, and I'm, I'm begging the football gods to not let that happen, Dane. But everybody says go get the wide receiver. So listen, I know we only got a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. This break, we can do the same exercise right. with the Jets at 11 because our people at FanDuel are hanging numbers for not mm. only who will be their first pick, what will the position of the first pick right. be, and whether the Jets and new GM Joe Douglas go offense or defense. So, absolutely, that is, you know, kind of possible. You're talking about Miami at five. That's why, to be quite honest, Joe, I believe that if they are um, comfortable mm-hmm. with either Tua or Herbert, right? I think they stand pat. Right. They really do. Because these other teams, Detroit, the Giants, will they really trade down right. when they have a defensive stud still possibly there? And even if they do, even if one team does trade up to leapfrog Miami, let's say they go for Tua. If Miami likes Justin Herbert and thinks he's rated as a franchise quarterback, yep. They can stay at number five and still get their quarterback. And let's not forget, behind door number two, there are still guys like Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of options for GMs right now. That's why I think everything's a smokescreen. And and I'm with you, man. And and maybe it's sometimes the the move that you haven't heard that means the most uh, is the most logical when it comes down to it because we've seen this time and time again. If I hear anything regarding what the New England Patriots do, I take it and say that is I'm fading that. It ain't ever happening. Um, Anything is a wild card. But the other interesting part about this, and we'll talk more about this when we come back, is that given those top five picks like we're talking, even top six, it's so hard to go wrong. You're not going to get a lot of criticism no matter what direction you go. If you're not sold on a quarterback and you want to go out and get Simmons instead, I, you know, I, I don't, I would rather you go get a player that you feel is safe as opposed to a player that you think I just have to get because I'm here now. We'll talk more about that coming up next here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, guys. Welcome back in here to the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as we continue to get ready. For that NFL draft, just a couple of weeks away, taking a look at uh, those top selections, man. And and the more mock drafts we look at, Dane, the more, man, outside of number one and number two, that Joe Burrow-Chase Young uh, combination there, there is, it is anybody's guess, really, as far as what is going to happen from Detroit all the way down. Even take the top ten. Uh, if you take the top 10, throw out the top two, that's a given. So basically, three through 10, um, who they pick and what yep. they decide to do and who they get is really going to really shape these franchises for a while. I think sure. the Giants at four, Detroit, uh, how they decide or what they decide to do. If Detroit stands pat, they are going to get what many people believe outside of Chase Young is the best person in this draft here with uh, with Simmons. Uh, a possibility to go get that linebacker. There's some defensive guys here that are being projected to be total game changers. Total yep. game changers that you can anchor a defense with. So that's an option. So even if you're not sold on a quarterback, which everyone seems to think, oh, it's Tua, it's Herbert, everybody got to get a quarterback. Man, if a team doesn't go quarterback, right, and I do think at least one team will make the effort to hop Miami because it's really Miami at this point. And the question is, will the Chargers do it? I think is one. Who else will will it would be willing to do that? But, man, the Giants uh, at four there could go either anchor defense or anchor offensive line. That's going to tell you a lot at number Or, you know what? trade out of it, get a couple of more assets, and start picking away a little bit later in the draft. So 
there are so many ways this can fall, but I got to tell you, this, if you've ever nailed a draft, the, this one you better nail. Dave Gettleman, Adam Gase, Joe Duff. I mean, you go down the list here. We talked about Jets. Like, offensive linemen, please. There's four studs in this draft yep. in the top four. You at sitting at 11 are going to have an opportunity to get one of them. But you know what else? You'll have an opportunity to go get a wide receiver, probably to pick of your choice. Because do I see a wide receiver going in the top 10? Probably not. You know, a, a lot of the mocks I've seen, you know, we talk about the quarterbacks, right? Mm -hmm. And there's potentially as many as three right. or more in the top 10. We talk about some of these defensive studs. We've talked about Chase Young, Akuda, Simmons, maybe even the kid from Auburn on the defensive front. That's another, you know, three or four picks right there, right? So that's maybe as many as six or seven of the top 10. And I do think the rest will be filled out by these offensive linemen studs we're talking about, right? So then what you're left with, um, then by many accounts in a lot of mock drafts, that's when the run on these stud wide receivers, the Jerry Judys, the CD Lambs, potentially Ruggs as well from Alabama. In a lot of the mocks that I've seen, that's kind of the tiers of them. And a lot of them are grouped together. You know, these quarterbacks will mm -hmm. go really early. These offensive linemen, a lot of people think there'll be a run in picks like 6 through 11. The wide receivers, a lot of people think the top ones will go off the board around 11 through 15. And then obviously the defensive studs peppered in. Now, you talk about the Jets getting an offensive lineman. Unlike the Giants or unlike teams at the, in the top five, they may not get their choice. Right. You know, they may not get their pick of the litter because some of these and potentially all four of these blue chip, you know, highly rated offensive linemen may be gone and off the board by the time the Jets pick at number 11. So that is another thing to add to your handicap if you're going to start to dabble in some of these prop bets for the draft. I, I mean, I don't know. Top 10 drafts, Dane, when you look at it, it's. How many offensive, how many defensive players are we looking, do you think? I mean, is it 50-50? Is it, uh, is it, I mean, a lot of people, three out of the first five picks are going to be quarterbacks, right? That's what everyone wants us to believe. Three out of the first five are going to be um, I think it'll be offensive heavy, Joe. I mean, oh, you think it'll go offense ten. with the linemen? Yeah, in the top ten, if we're talking about that as like this, this, this benchmark, right, or, or, or the line here, right? there are only five four defensive players that are even rumored in going in the top 10. And we've talked about them. It's Chase Young, it's Akuda, right. Isaiah Simmons. And to be quite honest, most mock drafts that I've seen have those being the only three defensive players. Then there's the defensive lineman Brown out of Auburn, who sometimes sneaks into right. the top 10 at like eight or nine. I think it's Jacksonville, right? Potentially Carolina that have picked in the back half of the top 10 that may go defense. But to be quite honest, I, every single mock I have seen has, you know, three or four defensive players in the top 10. Then you have the quarterbacks, you have the four offensive linemen, right. and maybe for the stud wideouts. So I think if you're asking for a straight offense defense balance i think it's either six four or seven three yeah, right as the offensive players within the top 10. yeah and then of course that changes uh that changes drastically sure. if you're starting to see some of these guys maybe um fall out i would say in the top 20. yeah i do i'm with you i think that 10 through 20 you're going to get a run of a whole lot of wide receivers type of situations yeah. there. I think, as a matter of fact, I think when you're looking at Lamb, Judy, uh, yep. and you're looking at Henry Ruggs, you're talking three guys, right? I think um, Chase on the, uh, the kid um, from a defensive uh, edge standpoint, it could literally be 50-50 here when we get through the first 20 picks because I do think those wide receivers, they're flashy, they're nice. These are nice, you know, LSU's got a couple, Clancy's got a couple, they got Alabama's got a, Oklahoma, this is nice. Um, but man, oh man, there are some quality defensive players too that are definite game changers. And I think the one guy, and I, I do think he's a wild card, is Jeff Okuda. I, he's a guy that can either, to me, he's going to go third or he's going to go 15th. Like, he's the one guy, I think, that is going to be, and there's always one where it's like, oh, who is that one guy that doesn't go as high as, uh, as we think he is? And, and I, just because secondary and, and is as great as it is or important as it is, there's so many other type of shiny objects and toys and players right now that teams can go with. He might be a guy that gets lost to shuffle 
and ends up dropping to a team that uh, will absolutely be a stud for it. Yeah, I think that's possible. And remember, with the cornerback position also, Joe, mm. you have to be a fit for a different kind of scheme. There are some yes. man corners. There are bump and run corners. Yep. There are some corners that are better in zone. By all accounts, Akuda can do it all. Yes. So I'm not, I'm not worried about Akuda being able to be um, productive at the next level. But you're right. You know, sometimes there's a scheme fit or a need fit that trumps kind of just the best player available philosophy. Remember also, Joe, and you're talking about picks 11 through 20. Mm -hmm. That's where these wide receivers yep. make. Oh, we've heard of a ton of wide receivers that get first round grades. So when I look at the teams that are in there, you know, San Francisco may like a wide receiver. Las Vegas may like, like a wide receiver. I've had a number of conversations with our colleague Jared Smith here on Sports Grid, who keeps on hearing that the Denver Broncos may want a wide receiver, that they may even move up to get one of the studs. And then, Joe, we talk about, you know, all these quarterbacks, you know, we talk about Tua, we talk about Burrow, but I believe somewhere in there, that's where Jordan Love goes, right? Right. You know, that could be where Love goes. That could be where someone takes a chance on another quarterback that they see as a stud. So when you put all the quarterbacks, all the linemen and the wide receivers mm -hmm. that are chippers in this draft, I do think it'll skew a little bit heavier to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and uh, some of these teams, I know a lot of people also are, um, are very high on Tampa making a move one way or the other to go up and get whatever right. that offensive lineman is you want. And, and, you know, we said the fireworks might happen in those, those first five, six picks, right? But, you know, that 10 through 20, if you are, let's say, a Tampa Bay and you want to move up to go get a Thomas from, uh, right, from Georgia, or you want to go to get one of these offensive linemen, and we know you need it. You need a, you know, you need a right tackle here, guys. One way or another, you're going to have to protect Brady somehow. So maybe that's in the cards, too. There could be a lot of fireworks to go up and get whoever those linemen are left. Maybe there's a run of defensive players. And 10 through 20, like Tampa right. Bay, go get me that, go get me that tackle. We need it. I got enough wide receivers. I got enough everything else. Go get me that tackle and go get it done in the first round. So, you know, and here's the thing, Joe, I'll apply the th uh, one of my strategies when drafting in fantasy football, mm -hmm. Joe, right? Like, there's almost at each of these positions, you almost have to think about it in terms of grouping them in tiers. Right. Okay. And we've, we've been talking about, like, that there's four offensive linemen mm -hmm. that are these blue chippers. There are other offensive linemen that have first or second round grades, but Absolutely. maybe it's a top off. So it's a consistent and, like, real-time evolving question of supply and demand, Joe. Right. right. And so let's say you are Tampa, and you were thinking that none of these offensive linemen of the top four would still be available at number, I believe it's 14 for right. them. But then all of a sudden, one of them is. Then you have to think, well, what is the gap to kind of, you know, throwing caution to the wind and getting that guy? Right. And is it worth the difference of – let's say, the other position you are prioritizing yep. and who would still be there in the next year the next time you come around. It's a big old game of supply and demand, yep. not only for the specific players, but at kind of how deep that position still is yep. in the draft and if you could afford to maybe still have some of those guys available the next time it comes around to you. And how much are you willing, how much do you think the team ahead of you is willing and that's the other big thing too with the draft is teams leaking uh, certain information thinking that the team ahead of me is absolutely interested in taking this guy and everybody's got that list on the board where listen when it comes to we're a shot away like we're a pick away and our guys are still on the board or one guy's still on the board right there's going to be some moves made i mean there is you know then at that point you are hedging on whether or not the team in front of you is going to go ahead and get them, or it is now the time. Whoever that team is, you got to be willing to jump ahead of them. And I do think maybe 10 through 20, maybe that's where most of the juggling and the shifting uh, comes around, especially because of the high-end wide receivers and the, like you said, first and second round offensive linemen, absolute must here in this draft. It's going to be very interesting to see when teams like Miami, who have got, what, three picks in the first round? Exactly. What do you do here, Matt? You know, how motivated is Miami at this particular point? I don't think they're ever going to pick 14 players. They got 14 draft picks. They're going to use some of those picks to go up, whether it be in the first, the bottom of the first round or second round. You know, Miami may get who they want at five and then jump up from that next pick in order to be able to get 
whoever's on that list second. So it's they ain't using 14 picks. Let's just say that. Yeah, and like we talk about, it's all about also positional value, positional scarcity. Yep. I take a team like Minnesota, for example, right? We think that after they've traded Stephon Diggs to Buffalo, that they may right. want to get one of these wide receivers, right? I've also seen mock drafts where they go and get a cornerback, let's say, right? So when they're sitting there, let's say at pick number 22 right. that they got from Buffalo, the question is, you know, there's a universe, Joe, where – there's only one of the wide receivers left at that tier and four cornerbacks that they're okay with. That's well, right. in that case, there needs to be more urgency to get their wide receiver. That's right? right. The board could fall completely differently to them where there's a ton of these wideouts still left and there's a big-time supply of them, but all these cornerbacks are gone. You know, Okuda's gone. The kid Henderson from Florida's already gone. And in that situation, Trayvon Diggs, who's the next cornerback on many people's boards, you got to snap him up That's and you'll correct. take your chances that one of the four wideouts, let's say, that you have rated similarly are still there. So yep. it really is about at each position, how deep kind of like is the tier still remaining? And you got to factor that in as you make your picks. Absolutely. And you've got to figure out too, um, we've talked about that running back position a lot. And, you know, there's only a handful of guys really that, coming into this sure. draft that would even be considered bottom of round one, maybe somewhere in round two mm -hmm. uh, difference makers. And when you look at the teams that need running backs, um, this draft alone is not stacked with running backs. There's a couple, obviously, Swift uh, out of Georgia. I do think Miami yeah. is going to use a pick somewhere in that first round to get themselves a, uh, a running back. And there's not a lot of other teams – in need of a running back that I think they would waste a first-round pick. And that's really maybe the run of running back. Doesn't mean they're going to be bad, but maybe we're looking this year at those third, fourth, fifth round, stacking up for a whole bunch of uh, running backs and start shuffling them in, shuffling them out. It's been a very strange year for running backs in this draft this year. Yeah, and remember this. We've talked about the running back position so many times, Joe, as it relates to free agency and contracts and right. holdouts. Most teams, okay, with the exception of maybe I can count them on one hand in the NFL, are going at it right. with a committee approach anyway, Joe. Absolutely, yep. Right? So this idea, again, are you spending that first-round draft capital on, say, a running back who is going to be part of a three-person committee for you yeah, right. or the right tackle that you need for a decade? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think it is true that the running back position overall has been devalued. We've seen it with contracts, but – there are still studs that completely can move the needle. Yep. So there are a lot of teams, Joe, in the NFL, they've already got their guy, or they mm -hmm. already know that it's going to be a timeshare on some level, yep. which makes them less likely to go ahead and get the guy right. for them at running back. I think you're right about Miami. They, you know, they struggled. They moved Kenyon Drake yep. last year, right? And they also kind of struggled with a bunch of guys that none of them were able to uh, kind of carry the mail. Patrick Laird even got a shot, for goodness sakes, That's right? That's correct, so yep. They may be a team that wants a new bell cow, so you may see them with a Jonathan Taylor, a Stromile Swift, or others in the first or second round. But there aren't a lot of other teams, Joe, nope. that are in that position that have kind of the cupboard completely bare at the yeah. running back. Yeah, and it's going to be very um, – it's going to be interesting to see. And we told you guys uh, originally when we were looking at this, the amount of Clemson players, the amount of uh, Alabama players. And, you, you know, you go down the list here and, you know, who's going to be that first small school guy? Who's going to be that, you know, that middle-of-the-road guy? Who's going to be the Boise State? Are there going to be a Boise State? So there's still, of course, a lot of questions uh, to be answered outside of those big schools. You know, Pac-12, we, we spent a lot of time talking about conferences all year. Everybody wants a player from the SEC. Everybody wants, well... Except quarterbacks. We except, talked about that. Except <laughs> quarterbacks. It's going to be very interesting to see how that unfolds. But, again, still... Couple of huge names out in free agency, not only at the quarterback, uh, Trent Williams, right? What what are we going to see from him? Oh, yeah, and uh, believe it or not, Antonio Brown is back in the news. Yeah, nah, that wasn't arrested or anything, but he does have, well, he's got uh, he's got some new representation. So we'll we'll talk about that coming up. Is there a path for him to get back in? What needs to happen? 
Josh, but there's a, a uh, you know, Josh Gordon. There's a lot um, to break down here and possible names. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, guys, welcome back in here to The Grid. It is sportsgrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I am Joe Ranieri. Thanks for stopping by, hanging out with us here as uh, we continue to push along with uh, some draft strategy here and taking a look at uh, some of uh, who, what, where, and how. A lot of moves to be made here, I think, and a quality draft class, not because it's got this one big name or, two, you know what I mean, this real top, top-heavy kind of draft. I do think this is a draft that is shaping up to be. Um, a lot of teams can fulfill a lot of their needs and get themselves some high-quality players in, uh, in the NFL coming out of this draft, certainly. And we all know drafts are made by the third round, the fourth round. You know, just ask Bill Belichick. I mean, it's the, you know, it's the unsigned uh, or undrafted uh, free agents that, uh, that he gets and, and makes into football players, that kind of thing. So, But we did mention... There's still some big names that are out there, certainly in the quarterback position. We know with Dalton and, and Cam Newton, who I, neither of those guys are going to get touched. And Cam Newton is really a free agent because he was released. Andy Dalton's still on a contract. But neither of them are going to move. We're not going to have any more clarity on them until after the draft and see where the chips may fall. Uh, but one of those names, we talked about Trent Williams right now, out of, uh, of Washington. Where is he going to land? Does he want to play? How healthy is he? And then, of course, uh, Antonio Brown making news here, Dane, about uh, some new, uh, new representation, if you will. And uh, I caught a video of him over the weekend with Floyd Mayweather, which was just the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Uh, and he's just holding stacks of, you know, $10,000 stacks in, in his hand. And he's asking Mayweather for advice. And then, of course, we learn now he's got new representation after Drew, uh, Drew Rosenhaus dropped him like a bad habit. And by the way, Drew Rosenhaus um, pretty much got every dollar he ever saved. So the fact that he walked away from Antonio Brown is, uh, tells you everything you need to know about the relationship there and how he just threw the towel in. Because guys who are problem makers go to Drew Rosenhaus. He's really the only one who takes him. But apparently Antonio Brown found uh, another group to uh, take him on at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, he hired Ed. I, I don't know how to get the name right, uh, his, his agent, but EMG Sports is the, is the company. Yeah. And we'll see. But remember, remember, Joe, there's still so many hurdles for right. Antonio Brown, right? First of all, his status with the NFL yep. is still uncertain, right? And we've talked about it. They haven't come out and, and talked about his appeal or what his status even is, yep. right? So the idea of if any team who would sign him, would he would still be facing a suspension. You know, that is still unknown. Right. And then, like I said before, I mean, yes, there is no doubting Antonio Brown's talent, although he now hasn't played in a full year, Joe. Like, honestly, it's been a while. isn't this a blast from the past? Do we even have clearance that his feet are not frostbitten anymore? Exactly. Correct. Like, we honestly, have, we don't know about that. Yeah, just yet. And That's I correct. saw Justin Gatlin, the Olympic sprinter, who also had this, say that he was not really 100% to run. And I think he needed to run. He's an Olympic sprinter, for goodness sakes. They said it took him nine to 12 months to be, to be fully right. So I'm not just trying to be silly with Antonio Brown. And the thing is, Joe, there's other options, right? Yep. There are other options in the wide receiver market. Okay, it's a supply and demand thing. I always bring up Josh Gordon. You see the same thing with, oh, Jadavion Clowney lowering his asking price, right? Because he didn't get maybe the $20, $21 million offers. Right. We're talking about getting the contract of like a Zadarius Smith. But guess what, Joe? Not only are there a handful of big-time pass rushers in the draft, but if you're a team that's a needy for pass rush, like our team, Joe, there's still not only Jadavion Clowney, but there's still Everson Griffin out there. There's still Ziggy Ansah out there. There's still Michael Bennett out there. Yep. There's still Kenny Curry out there. You know, there are still some other names that just aren't the headliners. And I think the point you made is very important. 
It's not only the first-round talent in the draft. It's not only the names who signed the huge contracts early in free agency. Right. The shrewd GMs know to wait and not necessarily spend their whole wad of cash on one player, right? right? You say it all the time, teams that try to win free agency, that's not necessarily the way to do it. There are a mm. lot, Joe, of NFL starting caliber players above average caliber players that are still waiting to be signed probably until the draft. But there are GMs out there that are going to make a and fill out the majority of their 53 man roster with this, this other level of talent that every team needs. That's correct. And there's still a lot of it out there. Some of it cheaper yeah. than others, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but uh, you know, there's uh, there are some very high profile name guys Still like going Joe, to be at the wide receiver position. Yeah. Okay. Just I at agree. the yep. position. And listen, we know about you know the Josh Gordons. Right. And we know about the uh, Antonio Browns, but there's other names you've heard. Right. Will they be as sexy? No. But Taylor Gabriel's out there. Right. Paul Richardson's out there. Dwayne Harris is out there. Yep. Chris Hogan is out there. Now, are these names that move the needle? No. But not every team needs a wide out one stud right. on the outside right now. You That's may need real. a slot guy. Yep. You may need a compliment to your number one wide receiver. And so, you know, yep. before people go barking up the Antonio Brown tree, realize that there are still options. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, unfortunately it's going to be. And uh, that picture... Obviously, that surfaced last week of Antonio with his brother, along with Lamar Jackson here in Florida. You know, they um, they asked, obviously, the general manager there of the Ravens, like, hey, are you planning on working out? What's going on? And he did yeah. give a very vague answer about, you know, those are in-house things, those types of things. So never really denied it, didn't, you know, sign off on it. But, of course, leaving the speculation open, driving Pittsburgh uh, you know, Steeler fans absolutely nuts with even the idea of that. But uh, so many things, like you said, got to happen with A.B. before you consider. He's still beating up a truck driver, you know, a moving delivery guy still under that. I mean, there's a whole lot going on. Um, and the fact that he's got new representation, congratulations. Um, but then again, I'm sure he's got new representation uh, from a company who loves to have their name in the headlines here as long as they're... I think the company needs him more than he needs the company kind of thing. So, uh, and yeah. they're using him for that. One of the other big uh, storylines that come out too is that uh, not only will the NFL look a little different from the playoff perspective, but uh, one of those uh, rules that they overreacted to, uh, Dane, it looks like, that they had uh, brought into play, which was the, uh, the review of a pass interference, which sure. they never, they reviewed, just never did anything about it. Uh, apparently that looks like it's on the chopping block and that experiment yeah. will now end. Thank goodness. They'll be doing away with that. It sounds like, uh, that's all, uh, but a done deal there. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about league business, right, Joe? Right. And the NFL free agency is part of that league business. The NFL draft is part of that league business. We talk about service time. One of the other things that happen, you know, generally speaking at this point of the year, is um, you may remember, Joe, the term the competition committee, mm -hmm. right? And every year, and this is actually fun. I actually think this is really smart. We see all the time, a lot of times it seems like the Baltimore Ravens, mm -hmm. the Patriots and Belichick, they yep. have the ability to submit new rules or changes to the rules. I remember famously, remember when the Patriots beat the Ravens yep. in a playoff game using like the imbalanced line and having an extra lineman up and Harbaugh yep. was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then they changed the rules yep. about that. Every year there's little subtle tweaks and the competition committee meets. Well, one of the things that are coming out um, earlier this week is that, you know, the idea of having instant replay on pass interference was an experimental thing. They right. were trying it, and it sounds like they are um, not necessarily going to extend that because I think the competition committee, the NFL, the powers that be, almost realized that you know it was more trouble than it was worth, right? And 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 it every week there it, it came up where there were more and more questions as opposed to answers. The idea of how it was being consistency consistently applied, and right. for me the hardest thing, Joe, and I don't know if you agree, was Coaches were using this also to like challenge to like try to generate yes. an offensive pass yes. interference. Yes. Not saying, hey, the, the, the refs called one and that was crazy. You shouldn't call it. 
But then coaches started using this in the inverse, right, to create penalties. And I don't think the NFL ever was expecting that per se. And so it kind of got unwieldy and it became more egg on their face. And so it looks like the competition committee is not going to extend replay on pass interference. It also looks like, Joe, they're talking about potentially a sky judge yeah. or would mean like another official. This is another thing. We saw the vantage point from the XFL, right? The all 22 camera angle. That's and correct. so maybe being able to have some kind of video eye in the sky refing as well. But the competition committee are discussing these things and that's supposed to be happening in the next few weeks. And yeah, it's just, it was, it, they saying almost certainly it, it won't be back. And that's good because they didn't really utilize it anyway. It was kind of all over the map. Yeah. There really wasn't any continuity to do it at all, so uh, nobody knew what they were getting. They flagged, like you said, it, it, it sometimes became throwing the challenge flag about anything but that actual play, so I'm glad that, listen, you try it, good, it doesn't work, you move on from it, and nobody's going to remember anyway once the games uh, start playing. Uh, but you also, uh, it's interesting, too, that uh, this is just a, a sign of what we're going on right now, the idea of David Johnson being a Texan and DeAndre Hopkins being a, uh, an Arizona Cardinal there, uh, it hasn't happened yet, guys. Uh, and it hasn't happened yet because neither of these two have been able to pass physicals in order to make sure this happens. Both have had a history of injuries. Um, so, you know, don't forget, both team doctors, both teams, physicians, both teams have to agree upon what that physical shows. It's not just kind of, uh, you know, while it's, part of the process, you, you know, these are two guys that have had some serious past injury uh, concerns, too. So it'll be interesting to see when they get that. I'm shocked, even to this particular point, that Bill O'Brien is getting crushed uh, on a continued basis here, that they haven't been able to finalize this thing yet by getting a doctor to figure out what the hell's going on with these two and signing it off and getting the deal done. So I find it interesting that we're still talking about it here today because... They haven't bothered to get the physicals or cleared the physicals as of yet. Yeah, um, we see this all the time, right? Mm. So remember, there was a huge trade in baseball right. in the offseason, the Mookie Betts and David Price deal, which had to kind of be redone because one of the prospects failed their physical, right? And we've seen this before in free agency. Right. You know, mm. dot, uh, the, the I's still have to be dotted. The T's still have to be crossed. I do want to push back on one thing. I don't want to soil the man's reputation. David Johnson has had injury concerns a ton, right? right? We know that in his short career. But Joe, I don't know that the same could be said for DeAndre Hopkins. He is a guy who's kind mm -hmm. of maybe had bumps and bruises, but he comes to post, Joe. Right. I mean, last year, 15 games, 16 games, 15 games, 16 games, 16 games, 16 games, 16 games in his career. Right. So when you look at it, he does play for the most part and is heavily targeted. He's the kind of guy who has been known as something of a durable wide receiver and at least comes to play and dresses all the time. In his seven-year career, mm -hmm. he's never played less than 15 games in a season. So he has been pretty durable. David Johnson, on the flip side, has definitely had a mess. concerns for yeah. sure. But the physicals still have to happen to officially complete these deals. Yeah, and it's uh, it really is a, a way out for both of these teams. So it's interesting yeah. that they've let it linger on this long. It has to be done sure. by the draft. Uh, so that is the time, obviously, because there's draft picks involved in this trade. So the, the right. it has to. Otherwise, they've got to come up with different terms. And it, it does give them an out to kind of renege on uh, on it, not saying it's that Bill either team wants to. Bio balloon and Bill O'Brien is like, oh, there's yep. too much blowback coming. We yeah. don't want yeah, well, and again, I think, you know, Bill O'Brien, he knew what was at stake there by doing this. But again, you got, you know, DeAndre Hopkins two years ago signs an extension. Now, all of a sudden, he's, he wants another extension. Like, he wants an extension every year. So, you know, at that point, I get why you're cutting your losses. I, you know, it sucked, but I understand it. And somebody's got to be the adult in the room and just be like, it's never going to work, this guy. He's going to come back every year, and he's going to want more money and more money and more money. So at some point, you just got to be able to cut your losses and move on, which is what Bill O'Brien did. He can be the face of the fan, you know, the bad guy, and I don't think he cares, but, uh, and not just Bill O'Brien, I think anybody in that situation, you, you just can't, you just can't concede to every time your wide receiver wants another extension of more money, more money, more money. It's like, well, dude, what are you doing? At some point, you know, you're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson at some point, guys. 
Someone's going to have to pay him $30 million a year. Can't do that with DeAndre Hopkins. So, mm -hmm. you know, DeAndre kind of pushed the envelope there. He did, and, uh, you know, he, there's uh, reports that he was looking for 18 to 20 million. Oh. I mean, he, he, he does, you know, warrant it. I mean, his last two years, Joe, you know, I mean, 104 catches, 1,165 yards, seven touchdowns. Year before that, 115 catches, 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. The year before that, 96 for 1,378 and 13 touchdowns. Which is so, why you just gave him an extension a year ago. I, I mean, that's. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> I think the other point you're making is that you can't pay them all. And no. we've seen this with Dallas. We've seen this with the Rams, right? You're talking about it. They have a generational quarterback whose contract is coming yep. up. It's Sean Watson. They've already dedicated a ton of money to J.J. Watt, which is yep. part of the reason that Jadavion Clowney is no longer there. And reports are that this offseason, Laramie Tunsil wants to be paid as the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. Yep. And so you can't do it all. And it looks like they've made their decision to cast aside Dion. Yep, they tried. I mean, but every if a guy's going to keep coming back and saying, hey, I want an extension. I'm not going to show. Like, by your hands, you know, you got to move on and you got to do what you got to do. But, uh, of course, like you said, there's one person who's going to get money there. And I know there are some people have been waiting for Deshaun Watson to speak one way or the other. Yeah. Listen, Deshaun's going to get $30 million a year. He's going to be just fine with playing in Houston without DeAndre Hopkins, I can promise you. Uh, he's going to want to take care of himself first. And then we can we can worry about that, everything else down the road. But get that damn physical done. Get those draft picks squared away so you know what's going on. Otherwise, we could be having a totally different discussion here over the next couple of weeks. All right, so coming up here, uh, Dane, tomorrow we'll talk about some of these all-decade teams. Sure. And of course, Tom Brady, now the first quarterback to make it in two different all-decade teams. Yay. <laughs> but, uh, okay, whatever. Uh, it's the Tom Brady uh, Love Fest continues where he plays uh, one down with Tampa Bay. But we'll go over those teams. We'll talk about uh, if we agree or disagree with that 2010 to 2019 All-Decade team. We'll do that coming up. Plus, uh, you got a whole boatload of programming coming up here on the grid. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make sure you tell all your friends. And more importantly, make sure you come back and join us again tomorrow here on the early line. Dane Martinez, Joe Ranieri. Enjoy your day, guys. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Be safe. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.